Hello, this is Search for Truth, and we have a brand new series starting today with Brian, our Bible teacher. I think most Christians would agree that the highest purpose of all Bible study is to gain a greater appreciation of Jesus Christ. And as he is the central theme of the Bible from cover to cover, then his death must be the pivotal point in the history of this planet. Brian approaches the subject of Christ's death in this uh, four-week series through an everyday commodity that we all know well, salt. And this um, study ought to give us a fresh perspective on Christ's sacrifice and increase our understanding. So let's do that now with Brian. Thanks, John. Today, I want to talk about value. Here's something to think about as we begin. It was reported that no less than 11 millionaires went down with the so-called unsinkable ocean liner, the Titanic. Major A.H. Puchin left behind $300,000 in money, jewellery and securities in a box in his cabin. He said the money seemed a mockery at that time. I picked up three oranges instead. We'll come back to the theme of real value in a moment, I assure you. But I'd like to tell you that I was recently reading a verse from the writings of the prophet Ezekiel, which grabbed my attention. See if it does the same for you. Here it is from Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 24. A young bull without blemish, and a ram without blemish from the flock, you shall present them before the Lord, and the priests shall throw salt on them and they shall offer them up as a burnt offering to the Lord. The obvious question is, why did the priests throw salt over the animals which were about to be sacrificed? It's a question I started to think about, and it led me, I feel, to a greater appreciation of who the Lord Jesus is and what he's done for us. That then is what motivates me to share this study with you. To have a greater view of Christ is surely the best possible result that we can get from a Bible study. Wouldn't you agree? So let's start our Bible study back in Leviticus chapter 2. It's here we find an early Bible mention of salt. And what's more, it's a mention of salt in relation to its use along with the offerings or sacrifices long ago. Leviticus 2 and verse 13 says, Every grain offering of yours, moreover, you shall season with salt, so that the salt of the covenant of your God shall not be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall offer salt. It's usually thought that the last statement there, with all your offerings you shall offer salt, it's usually thought that that applied to all the animal sacrifices, and not only to the grain or cereal offerings. So what we read before from the prophet Ezekiel was certainly not exceptional. The very opposite, in fact. It was standard practice. God required it throughout the Old Testament in connection with the sacrificial system. Now, without even stating it, I imagine it'll already be an obvious thing for us to accept that all those sacrifices which God specified in the Old Testament were intended to draw people's thoughts to Calvary, to the cross, the place where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died as the ultimate sacrifice about 2,000 years ago. For example, listen to how the Apostle Paul opens the fifth chapter of his letter to the Ephesians. Therefore, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children 
and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. It's clear then, isn't it, that Old Testament sacrifices and offerings found their answer in the death of Christ. So what about the ancient requirement to add salt and to make sure it was never lacking? We'll look, God willing, at various properties of salt in this series as we hope to clarify what might be thought of as the saltiness of the sacrifice of Christ. The Lord knew in advance the properties that would be discovered in the process of time before ever he commanded the use of salt with the sacrifices. Perhaps in this first talk, it's only fitting to start with the most basic observation, which is that salt has long been regarded as something valuable, because it was and is so useful. In ancient Greece, slaves were traded for salt, and even today we still find the expression that someone is not worth his salt. Our English word, salary, goes back to the old Roman or Latin word that originally meant an allowance given to a Roman soldier for buying salt. That was his salarium, coming from the word sal, which then meant salt. Roman soldiers were sometimes paid in salt, and their salarium, as we said, is the origin of our word salary. Even the word soldier actually comes from the Latin saldari, which means to give salt. This shows how salt, in former times, was a valued commodity, over which wars were sometimes fought, rather than it just being something that was taken for granted, as it is today in many parts of the world. So when we read in the Bible about salt, perhaps the first idea that should pop into our minds is that of value. And there couldn't be a more fitting association with the death of Christ, for his death was a sacrifice of infinite worth or value. One Bible text which springs to mind, emphasising that very fact, is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, where he says, You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. The precious blood of a spotless lamb, making a sacrifice of boundless, matchless worth. The sense of value comes from the identity of the one who hung on the middle cross 2,000 years ago outside the Jerusalem city wall. The father gave his only son. The Son of God himself stooped down so low, becoming first a man and then submitting to the shameful death of the cross. You know, the story is told by the Persians of the great Shah Abbas, who reigned magnificently in Persia, but loved to mingle with the people in disguise. Once, dressed as a poor man, he descended a long flight of stairs, dark and damp, to the tiny cellar where a fireman seated on ashes was tending to the furnace. The king sat down beside him and began to talk. At mealtime, the fireman produced some coarse black bread and a jug of water, and they ate and drank together. The Shah went away, 
but returned again and again, for his heart was filled with sympathy for the lonely man. He spent time with him, and the poor man opened his whole heart and loved his friend, seemingly so kind, so wise, and yet poor like himself. At last the emperor thought, I'll tell him who I am, and see what gift he will ask. So he said, You think me poor, but I am Shah Abbas, your emperor. He expected a request for some great thing, but the man sat silent, gazing at him with love and wonder. Then the king said, Did you not understand? I can make you rich and noble. I can give you a city and appoint you as a great ruler. Have you nothing to ask for? The man replied gently, Yes, my lord, I understood. But what is this that you've done, to leave your palace and glory, to sit with me in this dark place and share my coarse food and to care whether my heart is glad or sorry? Even you can give nothing more precious than you've already given to me. To others you may give your rich presents, but to me you've given yourself. It only remains for me to ask that you never withdraw from me this gift of your friendship. But even that illustration pales into insignificance alongside the reality of the sinner's friend, who was the Lord of glory even as he walked the dusty back streets of Palestine. The Apostle Paul captures this thought in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 when he said, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. The Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Has that same personal realisation dawned on you? I doubt if I'll ever forget the letter one listener to Search for Truth sent in. It was back in the year 2000. It came from an inmate of the central prison of the Republic of Yemen, and it said, I read your tracts. I get good knowledge. Also, I accept Jesus Christ as my Saviour and my Lord. Before, I am living on my own, and I think nobody want me. But he want me. He is the Son of God and lived on the earth to show his love. Now I become really a Christian. He came to be my friend. I know by his word that I have eternal life. Isn't that special? Perhaps you'd like to write in and tell us your story. We're always pleased to hear from you. And so I'll take my leave of you today by just reminding you once again of what has been our theme in thinking as we have been doing, of the saltiness of the sacrifice of Christ. And the specific topic today has been the infinite worth of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice to pay the price of our rebellion, so that through our faith in him we can be sure of the forgiveness of our sins before a holy God.
Thanks, Brian, for an interesting talk. Someone has said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And one hymn writer has said, If I gain the world but not the Saviour, who endured the cross and died for me, what though I might live without the Saviour, when I come to die, how would it be? Once again, we have a transcript booklet, a free one for this series. If you'd like one, ask for the title SALT. And if you're using the post, here's our address. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 9334, Leicester, L.E. 41, 9FY, England. The email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And we also have some past programmes and information on our website. It's at www.searchfortruth.org.uk. So, thanks for your company once again. I look forward to you joining us next week for the next part in our study of SALT. But until then, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our musicians Justine and Stephen, and me, John. So, goodbye for now, and may God richly bless you. See